go. I'm going to clap. Right. Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b -b bullshit this is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. Welcome back to Bullshit Filter the News. My name's Cameron Riley. And hi, I'm Ray Harris. <laughs> we're doing news anchor stuff, right? Good evening. Yeah, but you know, now that we're doing it on video, uh, at least my bit, right. I can't edit really the gap between me and you as easily as I can with audio. Right. So now there's going to be a big gap there. Just people staring at you. This is a... Uh, um, if you're new to this show, this is where uh, Ray Harris and I take news stories that have amused us or, or, or infuriated us, or we just found interesting in the last week, and we're going to uh, talk about them. That's it. Yeah. That's the purpose of the show. A little bit of politics, maybe a little bit of technology, a little bit of science, but mostly politics. A little bit of judgment. <laughs> yeah. Very, very opinionated. <laughs> lots of judgment. So if you're looking for fair and balanced, don't watch no. this. Um and despite what some people uh, in the uh, review sections of iTunes uh, seem to think, I'm not an Australian commie. I, I don't sit anywhere on the political spectrum. I sit that you have left, you have right, and you have me, uh, which is over all of it. I, I, I try and figure out what makes sense. I don't sit anywhere, don't align myself with any particular ideology. What about you, Ray, as an American? Where do you sit on the political spectrum? Well, um, because of my advanced age over the decades, you know, I have fluctuated back and forth. But, but like you, um, it's not a, the, the political um, theories. Is, it's not a linear line. It's not a line. It's um, three dimensional. And like you, I try to be away from it. And I just want to know what works, what's best for the most number of people, and to help with all the rest: the spin, the lies, the manipulations, the the career sabotages uh, that that people are going on. Forget all that stuff. What's best for the most people? That's all that should matter. But as we know, that's not the case. Yeah, I think the whole left versus right um, binary dichotomy is is bullshit anyway. Um, I think we should get away, you know, get, get get rid of that, and stop thinking in those terms. And as you said, think about what's best for the uh, what 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 are the best ideas, what are the best policies to build a uh, ethical, sustainable, profitable world for as many people as possible. Here, here, and. And, and let's start with a story I saw on uh, Boing Boing this week. Uh, Revenge of the Laughable Bumblefucks is the uh, name of the story, which how do you not love a story? It's called that. Um, the, our Canadian listeners will probably appreciate this one the most. This is uh, about Doug Ford, the leader of the Ontario Provincial Party. Um, now, uh, if you haven't heard of Doug Ford... You may have heard of his uh, brother, Rob Ford, yeah. who was the uh, mayor of Toronto going back a few years. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he passed away. Um, he was uh, crack-smoking, uh, rapey, violent, racist, sexist, uh, 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 far-right uh, mm -hmm. politician who didn't mind a little bit of media attention. Uh, so his brother, Doug, is uh, now taken over the family's political reins. I, I do think from memory, they their father owned a business uh, that did quite well. can't remember exactly what the business is. Um, but uh, the thing that I liked about this story is they had a, a political rally recently. Right. Um, and uh, apparently, sort of some sort of a leadership debate, apparently uh, somebody... Whether it was Doug Ford or not uh, is debatable. Mm. But somebody paid actors to uh, come along to the rally, wear the T-shirts of uh, the, uh, 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 p the PC candidates, as they're uh, called, mm -hmm. and, um, and uh, you know, cheer and support uh, the, these candidates. I think they're getting paid 
$75, what? these actors. I would to, do a lot uh, more for $75. I'm just putting that out there. The $75 uh, had to cover them for six hours, Ray, I want to point out, from 2 p.m. Oh, to 8 p.m. Scratch um, up. So as an hourly rate, it's uh, l- less probably than you get <laughs> under the bridge but, at 1 a.m. But if you're uh, an out-of-act worker, that's not bad. You know, you're out there, you're putting yourself out there, no pun intended, you're performing. It's got to feel good. $75 a day for that amount of work. I, that's kind of podcast money. <laughs> Is the way I think of it. That's the sort of rates that we'll get on a good day. Um, but I, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this story is, A, to make fun of Canadians, which is, you know, you can never pass that up. But B, um, it, it's just, no, it's a good, it's a good reminder that uh, you can't believe everything you, you see, not only in the news, uh, but also in real life, if, if if you go to one of these rallies, right. we have to be aware. This this isn't a tactic that Doug Ford invented, obviously, uh, or the Canadians invented. Have Canadians invented anything? Can you can you name a single thing invented by a Canadian? I mean, Ryan Reynolds' uh, performance is Deadpool. Right. Um, I'll give them that. Yeah. Uh, Michael J. Fox. Um, yeah. Love Michael. And Mike Myers. That's they're the only three people that have ever yeah. come out of Canada. And done the anything. Bacon? Canadian uh, bacon? Of, of I note, I think. Right, bacon. Can, yeah, okay. That's um, pretty much Four it. things. No, four things. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, this, is, this goes on all over the world. I'm sure, I'm sure it happens in the US. I'm sure half of Donald, the people at Donald Trump's rallies are paid actors. Um, I'm pretty sure Donald Trump is a paid actor, uh, f- you know, for what it's worth. Boom, boom. Um, but we, we've, 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 we get to see a little bit behind the scenes from time to time stuff leaks out, how the sausage is made. And particularly, I think in, in North America, particularly in the United States, politics has become more and more about theater over the last 20 years. Um, you know, Mm-hmm. We don't have political rallies in Australia like you have over there. Um, when when our leaders go around in an election campaign and do stump speeches, um, there's normally four people and a kangaroo attending those things. <laughs> Good day. Um, they don't they don't do big town halls and stuff like that usually. Um, they might do a few events for the you know the hardcore party faithful, but mm-hmm. they're usually pretty depressing. We, we don't have that kind of big theatrical balloons and flags and confetti uh, uh, style of, of electioneering that you have in the United States. But it is a lot about entertainment over there. And, and I think we have to be conscious of the fact whenever we see anything um, on television about politicians, uh, we have to ask ourselves, how many of these people are paid actors? How much of this is right. manufactured for entertainment value? Uh, not always, I'm sure, but some of it is. And the problem is it's, it's hard to tell now what's fake and what's real. And I'm sure this isn't a new phenomenon either. You and I have done shows where we've talked about uh, uh, elections going back to the 30s, right? In the Cold War show, I know we've talked about this. Um, if, if you're not familiar with our Cold War show, go to acoldwar.com. Uh, we, we talked about uh, all of the, the rigging and the, the bribery and the violence of elections in the United States back in the, the 20s and the 30s. Mm-hmm. So this kind of stuff's definitely not new. It's probably as old as uh, elections themselves. But, um, yeah, just a, just a timely reminder that you, that, that you can't believe what you see on TV. And I just want you use the word entertainment, and I know you meant that and so much more. And not only is this stuff to to a degree entertainment, but these are literally lies manifested in the form of paid actors, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they're literally trying to manipulate you not, not to live your life completely cynical but you can certainly distance yourself from everything that you see and hear and, and think about it critically you'll, you'll be serving yourself a lot better uh that way and i also like to add this has inspired me i think we should introduce laugh tracks into our podcasts 
<laughs> we do. That's your job oh, that's right. on our podcast. You are. Oh, that's right. You are the laugh. It's track. my job. I, I thought you. Yeah. I thought you realised. I that. do now. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, moving right along. Um, uh, let me try and get this link to work. So the big news um, this week is obviously the uh, nuking of the Iran deal uh, that Donald Trump has uh, done. Right. Um, now, uh, where do we go with this? Um, what is behind the nuking of the Iran deal, Ray? What do you think? Well, if you if you paid attention to the news this week, between Donald Trump and certain aides at the White House, they honestly couldn't give us an, a specific reason or reasons while this was done. The best they could do was a generalized, uh, it's going to be better for everybody. We can rework the deal or, or th- it, this will make things better in the future. This frees the president to make a deal with Iran that would be better than this 2015 uh, uh, agreement. Now, obviously, a lot of statesmen, statespeople from not only this country, but from around the world begged tr- uh, Trump not to do this. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say a part of it is um, he doesn't really deal well with complex issues. And I personally think that he's out to get everything that Obama did during his eight years in the White House. But um, he, no one could give us a good reason why this was actually done. Nobody in the White House. Well, I think it, it's a pretty safe guess that what's really driving nuking this is that the the neocons uh, in the industrial military industrial complex in the United States want to go to war with Iran, or at least want to make it look like they might have to go to war with Iran. Right. Um, when you have some sort of uh, a, a negotiated peace treaty or some sort of a, 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 an agreement, a pact with Iran, it's very difficult to be beating the drums of war simultaneously. And again, you and I have covered this in a lot of detail on our podcasts over the years. And Particularly, I think, on our Cold War show, we did three hours, three episodes of the economics of war mm-hmm. and of the military-industrial complex and, and pointed out that a large component of the American economy is driven by the military-industrial complex. Right. Um, it's, it's, and, and it goes a lot deeper than I certainly uh, appreciated before I did research for those shows. I mean... I think we tend to think, okay, yeah, so the companies that make planes and bombs and guns and ammunition and um, ships and, and, and do private security and, and private, um, uh, uh, what, do you, what do you call the old Blackwater XE guys, uh, you know, private mercenary armies. Right. Those sorts of companies profit from war. But it goes a lot deeper than that is what we figured out in the show because America has so many bases around the world, so many military personnel that need to be provided with stuff to live on mm-hmm. uh, that all, again, comes out of Pentagon budgets. So everything from clothing to computers to Coca-Cola, food, uh, uh, chairs, <laughs> pencils, pens, yeah. phones, condoms, uh, uh, pharmaceuticals, all of this sort of stuff is part of the, the Pentagon's budget for maintaining America's military. And that money finds its way into the pockets of American businesses. And it's an easy uh, source of revenue for America's businesses. Um, when you can get a Pentagon contract, that money is just going to flow. You're not competing in the day-to-day market uh, where, where you have to have you know, contracts and, and that are re-signed on a regular basis and you're competing in a commercial world. Yeah, there are, there are probably contracts involved most of the time with the Pentagon, but they probably last for several years. Um, and w- once you get one, it's it's easy, easy living. And there's probably a, a, a number of companies that all get contracts, even though they're competitors, because Senator A, Senator B, Senator C are all uh, uh, making sure that their local constituents are getting 
something out of the, the, the bucket of money. So that's the way I'm reading this Iran thing. Um, you know, there's been plenty of media coverage on why it's it's a bad thing for geopolitics in general. Uh, number one, look, I, number one, I, I don't know that Iran's actually trying to build a nuclear weapon or ever has been. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the Ayatollah is on record as saying that he's banned nuclear weapons development. Now, maybe you, maybe you believe that, maybe you don't. Wouldn't blame them if they did want one, because they've certainly been under constant threat by the United States and Israel since the uh, revolution in the late seventies. So, as as Kim Jong Un has just found out, having a working nuclear weapon is a really good way to bring people to the table. Right. Um, so I wouldn't blame them if they were doing that. They 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 have maintained that they're they're. Nuclear programs is all about nuclear energy, which is which is possibly true. I'm not claiming to know either one way or the other, but without a deal on the table to stop them from developing nuclear weapons, obviously they're free to do that. Now, uh, obviously Israel would love a good uh, excuse to attack Iran. The United States military industrial complex likes that as well for direct and indirect. I mean, they get to support. Um, Israel in their efforts against Iran. Also, as we learned when we did our 25 episodes on the Syrian civil war mm-hmm. on our bullshit filter series, um, we know that the Saudis also uh, have a vested interest in in um, uh, pulling Iran apart, pulling it down a peg. They would like to attack Iran. Um, and they obviously are very close to the Americans. So, you know, I, I think that's what's going on here is this is a, a ramp up of the drums of war um, for military and economic uh, reasons. Yeah, if I could add on to that, I think, you know, because we've been doing our shows for like, what, four years now, something like that. And I think history shows that war is the best business to be in. The second best business is almost war. If there if the. Middle East becomes even more destabilized because of Trump's move. You've got a lot of fear. You've got a lot of tension. People aren't thinking. They're just feeling. And then suddenly you have many arms races. It's us. It's Saudi Arabia. It's Iran. And pretty soon we're pumping a whole bunch of money into the back into the military industrial complex. Those people are making a ton more money. Stocks go up. So it's certainly good for a certain segment of society. So it, again, it could be um, it could be personal. It could be against Obama. It could be just a money play to to uh, pump money back into the mis- uh, military-industrial complex. Who knows? But the point is, the region is even more destabilized, and now people are going to be fearful. And when they're fearful, they want to know that the government's going to take care of them through ramping up the military. And the other economic um, implication of this is that uh, oil prices ah. uh, have already started going up. Yeah. Sanctions are placed uh, back on Iran. They can't sell their oil in the international marketplace. Um, They're one of the world's largest producers of oil. And so you clamp down on the supply, prices go up. Who profits from that? Well, the other countries that that, uh, sell oil, Saudi Arabia, obviously. Um, And also, to a lesser extent, uh, Russia. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how this affects the Russian economy. They've been struggling uh, for the last few years. Oil prices have been down. Um, Now, is there any connection between Trump uh, making this decision and uh, economic incentives for Russia? Uh, We know that uh, Mogadolayevich, we talked about, uh, I think, in in our episode, was it last week or the week before? Big Mogo. Week before, I think couple of weeks ago on our show, this show, Bullshit Field of the News, we talked about the uh, boss of bosses uh, in the Russian mob, Mogolayevich. Yeah, and he uh, has interests in the oil business. And he seems to have connections both to Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. So I'm sure he'll make uh, some money out of this as well. Um, So that would be my take on the whole Iran thing is uh, follow the money. Mm-hmm. Who's going to profit from this? 
Um, but it's not a good thing, uh, obviously, uh, for a whole series of reasons. Uh, escalating tensions in the Middle East is not something any of us wants, particularly the people in the Middle East. Right. And and again, you know, this is this is uh, something that Trump during his campaign swore that he was going to get America out of the Middle East mm. and uh, criticized the Democrats for uh, uh, their warmongering, rightly, uh, Hillary Clinton for being a, a hawk. Um, but of course, now that he's uh, in the White House, he's playing the same game. Is it deep state stuff? Probably. Um, is he being manipulated by people with vested interests? Probably. Um, and what are his own uh, economic ties to the military industrial complex and big oil? I don't think we really know because I don't think we really know enough about uh, his the, his economic structure and what, what's contained in there. But certainly if he doesn't have direct interests in the military-industrial complex, he's going to have friends who do. Right. If, if I could just add to that. So since, we've, uh, since he announced we're pulling out of the deal, his national security advisor, John Bolton, has warned the European companies that they may face sanctions from the United States if they continue working with Iran. So we pull away from Iran. We, we make the, uh, the word of the American government look bad or look weak or look fickle. We we threaten to hurt our allies, and maybe at the same time we're going to ramp up for war. So again, this makes no sense to me. This is not the path to peace, or at the very least, stability. So again, it just uh, it, it, everybody everybody who, who who knows the Middle East is scratching their head. This is not a solid move. So speaking on uh, threats to the world, Ray. The- if you had to uh, name who you think the biggest threat to the world is right now, who would you uh, come up with? Uh, uh, let's see here. It used to be disco, but that's pretty much been beat to death. Um... Not in my house, baby. <laughs> no. <laughs> Don't make me play the village, people. My kids were asking me to do the YMCA dance, and I had to pretend not to know it, but uh, they got it out of me. Um, I'm, cer- I'm certainly yeah. not happy with the vast majority of uh, Republicans as far as steering this country in the wrong direction. That's the best I can answer I have for your question. Well, some people might think it's North Korea. Some might, people might think it's Iran or ISIS mm. or Russia or China. But uh, Noam Chomsky, personal friend of mine... Um, by which I mean I interviewed him once, like 12 years ago. Uh, (laughs) uh, Chomsky recently gave a 90-minute speech uh, at a place called St. Olaf College. Um, Apparently that's a real place. Sounds like a joke name to me, but uh, (laughs) I I don't know where it is exactly. Uh, You ever heard of St. Olaf? Heard of it. I'm a graduate. Um, (laughs) I'm an alumna from Olaf University. (laughs) It's uh, in uh, Minnesota. There you go. Uh, Someplace called... Liberal Arts College in Minnesota. Private Liberal Arts College. He recently said that um, in his speech that the two biggest threats to the world are the Republican Party and Christians. (laughs) Who uh, obviously uh, are big American Christians in particular, I guess, in this uh, uh, sense. That are, are... part of the political engine of of the uh, uber-Christian right version of the GOP that we've seen emerge since uh, Ronald Reagan, only 30-odd years ago, mm-hmm. for nearly 40 years ago, wow. I guess. Jesus. Um, now, uh, you know, this, this, this is uh, something I've been saying for decades. Uh, you know, in, in my complaining about Christians, people will often say... Oh, leave them alone. They're not doing anyone any harm. Uh, let them believe what they want to believe. And and whilst I'm on board with that, I'm, I'm happy for people to believe what they want to believe, of course, and, and I respect freedom of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have always had this concern that Christians were uh, uh, an imminent threat to the world because they do participate in the political process. And because they've become increasingly, I don't know, increasingly anti-science, you know, Christianity has always been anti-science. 
right. as you and I are exploring in our Renaissance show, you know, when when the the Christians did a deal with the Emperor Constantine and then one of his successors, Theodosius, in the fourth century, one of the first things that they did was was clamp down on Greek and Roman uh, early ex- science and, and, and philosophy and, and the other the traditional religions as well. And, and, of course, this is one of the things that led to the, the Dark Ages, which lasted for 1,000, 1,200 years mm-hmm. before human, humanity, particularly in the West, um, started to rediscover science and philosophy and, and the arts and those sorts of things. Um, yes, there were pockets of it happening in different parts and different times and all that kind of stuff, but you don't fucking get pedantic. You know what I'm talking <laughs> right. about. Right. Um, uh, so, you know, Christians, uh, and, and I don't want to paint Christianity with a wide brush. I know there's lots of different factions of Christianity today, as there always has been, and there are lots of really uh, um, smart and, and well-educated and well-meaning and, and progressive Christians who who are uh, um, on board with uh, all of the things that you and I would be on board with. Mm-hmm. But that said, a lot also aren't. And um, so they, they tend to be anti uh, uh, doing something about climate change, particularly in America, this seems to be the case. We know that um, Donald Trump won the majority of the Christian vote in the 2016 presidential elections. Right. So I think that's why Chomsky's blaming the Christians here. Um, but they tend to they tend to uh, uh, fight against climate change, uh, uh, um, not fight against climate change, fight against climate change efforts to stop climate change. That's doesn't that's that's about as clumsy as I can say it. Sure. Um, hey, it's Monday morning. I haven't had well, I have had coffee and a cup of tea, which I'm finishing. So <laughs> doubling down on my caffeine yeah, intake was- after last week's show. Good for you. Yeah, because uh, um, Chomsky said, by now, half the Republican voters deny that global warming is taking place at all, and only 30% think humans may be contributing. So, yeah, so those are the people that voted in large droves uh, with Donald Trump, which probably, you know, helped put him over the over the winning line. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're in it together, but we're all going to be affected by these decisions, you know, down the road. Yeah. And of course, um, you know they fought against gay marriage. Uh, they unfortunately they've kind of lost that fight in most places. And then they fight against uh, legalization of drugs. They fight against uh, abortion. They fight against uh, euthanasia. Um, they fight against the teaching of evolution in schools and um, you know, all sorts of things. So. Um, I think this is a this is just a, a good example of of how religion in general, but in this case, and and Christianity is the biggest religion, and obviously the one that um, uh, is biggest in the Western world, uh, is dangerous. People are taught this is my um, primary issue with Christianity for the last twenty thirty years has been how it tends to teach that faith is equal to or possibly superior to having an evidence-based mindset. Mm. So people get inoculated, indoctrinated, that's the word I'm thinking of, and abrogated is my word from last week. A lot of people reminded me that I couldn't remember. Um, They get indoctrinated that, that just accepting something on faith is is a is a good thing to do rather than say fuck you show me the evidence um mm. which is the approach i prefer when politicians tell me something right. is no 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 fuck you show me the evidence um convince me and then i might support your initiative um faith says well just trust this person particularly because he's a good christian i tell you where i where, where you see this a lot uh um is in utah <laughs> my wife for oh. those of you who don't know I, uh, um is grew up in utah and which is sort of the the the, the headquarters of the mormons the latter day saints and uh it's a sort of a classic thing there where a lot of scams a lot of fraud happens People will give a, a fraudster uh, in Utah their money because they're a church member. And they go, well, you know, you should trust them. They, they belong to the church. Right? And, of course, scammers and fraudsters play on that. 
Um, we've also seen that a lot in, of course, um, uh, the way that Catholic priests uh, 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 had got away with uh, raping little children for decades because they were kind of the people involved in the church wanted to trust them because of their religion, right? Rather than going, I'm going to, I'm going to take these, these um, rumors or, or claims uh, seriously and investigate this. Mm-hmm. I guess the thing that's always bothered me is the expression, have the faith of a child. Literally someone who doesn't know anything, doesn't have any concept, doesn't have any context for reality because they're only, you know, a couple of years old or whatever. But yeah, to literally have the faith of a child, which is like you were saying, to totally not think, don't process, don't analyze, don't ask, just accept and take it whether, you know, take it for all it's good and bad. Mm. So what do we do about Christianity? Um uh i don't know man like i i I don't think we can we don't want to uh ban it (laughs) um communists tried that in soviet union for a while uh, and i think in china didn't really work um yeah i i think it's about education we we need to constantly educate uh people particularly the the kids uh, about why evidence-based reasoning is not just a superior worldview than a faith-based uh, reasoning, but it's it's critical to the success and the survival of the species. Um, we've got a lot of problems on this planet that we're going to have to deal with in the next 50 years. Um, climate change, obviously, being one of those. Um, increasing population being another one. AI, nanotech, Donald Trump, all of these things. Um, so we need to put our best minds at work on these. Now, of course, there's also an eschatological um, drive uh, in terms of the Christians and some of these things too. I mean, some of the extreme fundamentalist Christians still think the world coming to an end is a good thing. Because it means mm. that uh, you know Jesus will come on his unicorn and shoot rainbows out of his hands, and uh, <laughs> there'll be the zombie apocalypse or something. Um, well, I don't know the details of how that works, but um, of course, one of the things that I'm pointing out in my documentary that that uh, we're just putting the finishing touches on now is that that idea, the eschatological idea has been around since the very beginning of Christianity. Uh, The very earliest Christians, as far as we can tell um, from the Bible, um, Paul, the writers of Mark, Matthew, Luke, um, thought that um, the world was going to end in their lifetimes. Jesus would come back in their lifetimes. And they got that from Jesus himself, uh, apparently. He said, yep, I'll be back next Tuesday, four o'clock work for everybody. Righto, see you then. And Tuesday came and he didn't turn up and they said, well, maybe maybe he meant next Tuesday. No one panic. It'll be next Tuesday. Next Tuesday rocked around. And they were like, oh, look, maybe he meant next month, Tuesday. Same, okay, let's just... And this went on and on and on until people started dying. And uh, you can see this in Paul's epistles. People were like, oh, hold on. I thought no one was going to die before this. And he goes, oh, well, look, don't worry about it. Uh Yes, they're they're dying now, but when Jesus comes back next Tuesday, um, they'll rise first. It's all going to be fine. It's all going to be, you know, it's all it's all going to come to plan. I love it when a plan comes together. Um, and then finally, when Paul's at the end of his life in his last epistles, he's like, uh, "All right, so listen, it's not going to happen in our lifetime, but." It's going to happen when we die and then something's going to happen and we're going to go... The whole thing pivots and he changes the story. But anyway, there are some people out there still who think uh, the end of times is coming and it's a good thing. And um, So they kind of they don't want to stop us destroying the world. They, they want to speed it up. It's a good thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, That's what well, God de- wants. God wants he's us definitely- to destroy the world. He's definitely coming on a Tuesday. That I know. It's just I'm not sure which one. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Trump, uh, there's an article here that sort of explains everything. Um, Stormy Daniels, a.k.a. Stephanie Clifford, um, the uh, porn star who allegedly 
um, had sex on a number of occasions with Donald Trump uh, and who allegedly was paid $130,000 by Donald Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, to not talk about it, uh, came out in a recent interview in Penthouse and said that Donald Trump has a tiny dick. Now... I think we all kind of assumed that anyway, right? Well, um, I yeah, yeah. You know, he he, he uh, has displayed uh, in public all of the classic symptoms you would expect from somebody with a tiny dick, mm-hmm. uh, including saying he didn't have a tiny dick. <laughs> Uh, if you remember one of the president, one of the Republican primaries during the 2016 election, he actually straight up said. There's no problem in that department, let me tell you. <laughs> in the middle of a presidential fucking primary. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Now, you know, if, if, if you look it up in an encyclopedia, um, ways to tell that somebody has a tiny dick, the first thing it says is they go around claiming they've got a huge dick. Right. Um, because, yeah. Yeah. That's the only, and and you, next is they have... You know, personalized number plates is the second thing that I look for. And thirdly is uh, they yell a lot. <laughs> um, they're angry a lot of the time. Um, now, I'm going to go on record, Ray. I don't know if you know this, but saying that penis size doesn't really mean a great deal. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because I am uh, have an average endowment, um, as you well know. Oh, yeah. Because uh, you, you were in Vegas. Um, I'm reading the diaries of Anais Nin again at the moment, rereading the unexpurgated versions of Anais Nin's diaries. And in that, she says that when she started having sex with Henry Miller for the first time, she, and she enjoyed it more than she'd ever enjoyed sex with anyone, including her husband, that she realized that her husband's uh, old fella was too big uh, for her. That's, ah. and, and so... Henry Miller had a smaller Johnson. Long Johnson. And uh, that was a good thing. So there yeah. you go. And, and I was talking to my wife, Chrissy, about this, saying, you know, growing up uh, as, a, as, a, as a boy in the 70s and 80s, I was always led to believe that the bigger the better. I still right. see ads online today for penis size increasing uh drugs and and uh you won't believe these simple techniques that you can use to increase the size of your penis i'm here to tell you lads don't worry about it doesn't mean anything um you know uh, unless like ray you've you're sporting a centimeter then a solid get surgery a solid Um, centimeter very solid so there you go uh, Donald Trump has a tiny dick. That's all you need to know. I think that should be in, in the midterms in the United States yeah. in the next presidential election. Uh, that's all his political opponents need to run as their ads. Donald Trump has a tiny dick. Vote for someone else. That um, that and Stormy Daniels said that Trump's hair during sex was like a drunken cockatoo. You put those two things together, <laughs> the man is the man is trying to overcompensate so bad. It's it's sad and scary. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you want to talk about next? Have a look at the list. Pick a story. Um, well. I mean, as much as I want to talk about the Google Assistant, that was awesome. Obviously, that's still got some stuff to do. Um, Black Cube freaked me out. I mean, yeah, you and I will never be, hopefully, well, me, probably you, will never be um, a target of one of these groups. But, oh, my God, the, the fact, I'll, I'll let you set the story up, but the fact that there are people, there are companies that you can hire to do this freaks me out. Yeah, well, there's companies you can hire to do pretty much anything. I mean, you know, we've heard a lot um, over the last few months about Cambridge Analytica and some of the um, uh, uh, disinformation campaigns that they allegedly were hired by uh, political parties and I'm sure corporations to do around the world. It's another story that's uh, come out in the last week um, uh, about... Trump aides who wanted to besmirch the reputation of 
some former Obama administration officials, and they hired a, a, an Israeli agency known as Black Cube, um, mm. the same one apparently that was hired by allegedly hired by Harvey Weinstein right. to uh, keep track of his uh, victims. Um, so it, it Black Cube advertised themselves as being the um, uh, best former Moss, Mossad agents. Mossad being the Israeli uh, uh, Secret Service. And um, they're denying this story, of course. Um, but anyway, take it for what it is. So imagine having a, a, a team of former Secret, um, secret Service. Now, Secret Service is what you call... Um, the protection. The president's... Yeah. Bodyguard, yeah, bodyguard. Right? So just, right. just, just uh, spies. Let's just call them the spies. Um, right. Imagine a whole bunch of former spies running around and digging through your life, trying to find ways of blackmailing you or f destroying your reputation, whether or not they use blackmail first. Um, so this is this is a real thing apparently that, that goes on. Uh, this isn't just your your, your average uh, flat foot detective who's being hired to put together a portfolio. You're, you're picking people who mm -hmm. are highly trained in uh, spying and uh, destroying lives. Um, so what what do we learn from this, Ray? The black cube stuff. Um, you know, yeah, off. Go ahead, Go buddy. I'm sorry. Okay, no, I was just going to say no, that if, an, if a white if a White House official uses a foreign entity to spy on me to discredit me because I once worked for the government and I put a plan in place or I help put a deal in place that the current administration doesn't like. I mean that that's let's not beat around the bush. I mean that's pretty much you just call that treason, and the fact that they were and this was um. You know, early on in uh, Trump's administration, it's not like he, he he didn't go a couple of years and learn the ropes. This is something they jumped right into, hired this uh, this entity, and uh, I mean it's just, it's just despicable. And, and they also went after the spouses of the two officials that they were looking to uh, to besmirch. So again, there just there's there's no line that these people wouldn't cross, and they're being paid to do it by government by U.S. government officials. And uh, you might think, okay, well, if these people have done um, bad things and and they've these these agents have caught them out doing bad things, then fair enough, they they um, they've opened themselves up to that. But anyone who's ever spent any time reading up on spycraft knows that these agents are highly trained in figuring out how to entrap people into situations that can be used against them. Mm. So it's not it's not necessarily like, uh, okay, so you had an affair and they, they've got dirt on this and they're using it to blackmail you. It could be that they've manufactured something that looks like you had an affair or you took money or you did this. It's not didn't really happen. But you know that if this comes, if, if they go hard with this, particularly in today's climate, you know, like in the Me Too uh, yeah. era, um, you're uh, assumed guilty from the get-go and, and reputations and careers can get destroyed literally in a day. Um, you can fight back, but it's going to take a long time. You're going to go through courts it's going to cost you a lot of money, which you may or may not have. Meanwhile, you're probably not earning an income because your employers have distanced themselves from you. Mm -hmm. And um, even if the case gets dropped or settled or, or, or you win at some point down the track, your reputation is still in tatters and you've got a lot of explaining to do. People are going to pick up the phone when you call, all of this kind of stuff. So whenever you see politicians drop out of a race candidates drop out of a race 
uh, unexpectedly mm-hmm. um, or people resign from positions unexpectedly and they'll often claim, I want to spend more time with my family is sort of the default go-to. Right. One of the things you have to always wonder is, are they being blackmailed? Have they been, has somebody hired Black Cube, an Israeli uh, spy agency, private spy agency, to set these people up to to destroy their reputation? Yeah, And again, without wanting to sound too conspiracy theory-ish, it happens. We know it happens. We just don't know how often it happens and, and when you see something in the media. Is it that or is it not that? It's, it's yeah, hard to... It's naive not to believe that it's happening at least some of the time. It's crazy to think that you, you can use this to explain every incident. So somewhere in between that, it's happening some of the time and, and we probably are never going to really know when that's happening or when that's not happening. When have been When have people been set up to be destroyed? Um, or when is it uh, legitimate? Yeah, when a story like that breaks, that's probably, what, 1% of what's really going on, just like a lot of other things that are happening in politics. We only know that the very few instances that somehow get it out to the news. And I think it was, was it Ron Farrow? I'm trying to remember his name. And some other people that broke this story. But yeah, we'll we'll never know the extent. And I have a feeling, sadly, this happens far more often than we, than we even want to imagine. Yeah, it was uh, Ronan Farrow of uh, writing for the New Yorker. Yeah, Ronan Farrow, of course, being um, Mia Farrow and Woody Allen's uh, son. Yeah, he's doing something better with his life. Yeah, yeah, no, not adopted. Um, So, uh, last story for this week. Um, Is doing the rounds. Uh, This is about the the. Cache, is that the right word, of uh, Facebook ads that has been released uh, by the House Intelligence Committee in the US. Three and a half thousand Facebook ads purchased by Russian agents before, during and after the 2016 presidential election. They've released mm-hmm. these and there's been some studies done on them to talk about the content of the ads and who they were focusing and what they were trying to do. Um now, this is kind of fascinating, Ray. Um, the way it's getting positioned, I think, in the American media is this was the Russians trying to sow division in the American population. Um, right. I was like, really? Like, <laughs> the, Ameri- the, the Russians are sowing division? Because <laughs> America was such help. a unified... Such a unified, happy place uh, before all of this happened. Before those dastardly Russians bought Facebook ads. Right. I see the point that you're making. And, and, and yeah, you, you just be um, an extreme to show the absurdity. It is true. America, for whatever reason... Uh, and it's mostly to do to race, as far as, as my opinion. Uh, we don't need any help tearing ourselves apart. For some reason, we're we're just going down a path that I don't even like to think about where it ends. It certainly didn't help that the, the Russians did this, but to blame them for our divisions is is way off the mark. You know, and I was reminded of this last night because I was preparing for our um, main bullshit filter show that we're recording at the end of this week on the war on drugs and. Where we're up to in the timeline uh, at, at some juncture is going to be after World War II. And we're talking about how Harry Anslinger, the guy who was the head of um, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics in the 30s, 40s, 50s and into the 60s, uh, when uh, all of his attempts to stop Americans using drugs in the 30s and 40s failed, mm-hmm. he came up with this idea that it was the communists that were uh, uh, <laughs> forcing Americans Jeez. to use drugs. Ah, oh, they're trying to create a fifth column in America of drug addicts that will, you know, commit treasonous acts in return for a hit of drugs, and, uh, and so he blamed he blamed the Soviets. Jeez. And I was like, well, shit, here we are in 1950. Uh, Ansling is blaming the Russians for sowing discord in in America. And here we are, 2018, 68 years, nearly seven years later, 
And the same story is is running around in the American media. <laughs> oh, the Russians. It's the Russians. The Russians are sowing discord in America. Um, so that's my first uh, take on this is this is an old narrative that we've been hearing for 70 years. Blame the Russians for mm-hmm. America's problems. Um, second thing that I had to ask you about this is what happened to freedom of speech? Don't you believe in freedom of speech in America? Um, in theory, maybe a little bit, yes, but for only only for from other Americans, not from foreigners. Right. So you don't believe in freedom of speech, generally speaking, as a principle of human rights. Um, you, I, I, I would be interested to find the percentage of Americans who would take what you just said and say. I think the Russians should be allowed to buy ads to sow discord within our country. I I would imagine it's a very, very small number because they'll see it as they'll see it in the context of the Cold War. They'll see it in in the text of war by another means. Right. So freedom of speech is a fundamental human right. Unless it's not. No, it, it's an Unless American, we don't like an American how you're right. using it. Not, not, not a human right. <laughs> just an American right. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it's in the uh, uh, United Nations Declaration on Universal Human Rights. That doesn't sound right. And I'm pretty sure American governments constantly criticize other countries for not allowing freedom of speech. That sounds right. But in this instance, the Russians apparently don't have freedom of speech when it comes to buying ads on Facebook. Well, let me let me turn the tables. I wonder how free Russians are, and I and I honestly don't know. I'm not trying to be clever. Um, how free Russians are to criticize their own government, uh, protest rallies. Um, you hear things all the time. You don't know if they're true about certain people being arrested, maybe on trumped up charges, but. I, I wonder to what degree they're free to complain about what's happening to them from their own government. Yeah, I, I would guess they have a, a freedom within limits. You have you have you have a certain amount of freedom, and then you get poisoned with polonium. I think is how it works. Um, you have <laughs> stage one, two, three, and four. We warn you, or you get shot as you're out going for a jog um, in the middle of Moscow at exactly. five a.m. Um, no, look, yeah, I totally agree. I, mean, I, I don't think they have complete freedom, um, but I, I guess I'm just interested in the American view on this. So they are buying ads. Now, it, apparently, among some of the findings, um, I think USA Today claims to have reviewed uh, each of the 3,517 ads. Right. Um, they said that about half, more than half made express references to race. Right. Um, I don't know what an example of that is, but they were trying to say, hey, black people are good, black people are bad, Mexicans are good, white people are good, whatever. Uh, 25% of the ads talked about crime and policing. Mm-hmm. And apparently would take both sides. Police are bad, police are good. Um, now, what were uh, I'm interested? I'd love to see the ads because I'm wondering what the ads were driving people towards. Now, my guess is, you know, we we know already that there were a lot of fake news sites during the election, um, blogs, sites that looked like real news uh, 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 reporting organisations that would run a lot of crazy stories. And we know there was a lot of Americans behind those, not Russians. Uh, and I've, some of them have been interviewed and said, well, I did it to make money. You know, we would drive people to this site, stories yeah. would go viral, and we would make money out of Google Ads, um, views of Google Ads on the site. So it was a money-making operation. So I'm wondering uh, if the if this, potentially this Russian organization or series of Russian organizations, I don't know exactly. It just says in the news story, the Russian company charged with orchestrating this they're called um the internet research agency is the name of the russian organization don't know anything about them but um maybe they were just doing it to make money it wasn't about sowing discord it was about taking advantage 
of the discord that exists in America to drive Americans to websites that they would then use to make money. I, I, I see your point, and academically, I, I would agree with you, but I, I think we can, I think the, the vast majority of people who would f- read this article would assume, and I think so rightly, that their purpose was to sow discord. So the real question is, when is free speech not free speech, or is free speech at some at some points not free speech? Like, if I'm doing it just to sow discord, is that is that considered free speech? If I get into if I go into a movie theater and I yell fire, there is no fire, but it's my free speech. But people panic, they run out, and some people get trampled to death. Am I held responsible for that? So, at what point can they argue I was just trying to make money or whatever? But it, but but if you're doing it to I guess if you're if you're an outside um, government or representatives of government and you're doing it to inside the America, it it the free speech umbrella I would think would not cover that. Mm, but but it does cover that. Um, it does. I you are right should, that there are, there, yeah. are, there there are limits on free speech everywhere. As you said, you can't stand up and yell fire in a theater. But um, that's not what they were doing. They weren't inciting uh, uh, terror or violence with their speech. They were driving people to websites that had a range of opinions, political opinions expressed. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much fundamental to America's concept of free speech, as I understand it. Yeah, I know that there was one instance where they actually got uh, people to show up at a rally, I think in Texas or whatever. And again, it wasn't so much good or bad rally just to show up for this cause. Um, So I I completely see your point, but you'll never convince a a decent percentage of Americans that uh, they weren't out to do us harm. And and like, like we said in other shows, it's the perception that matters, not the reality. And of course, um, as we've pointed out before, uh, um, sowing discord and division in a, in a foreign country has been something that uh, uh, the CIA has been doing since it was invented. Um, <laughs> l- yeah, quite literally. Um, if people aren't familiar with uh, how the CIA overthrew the democratically elected uh, president of Iran, Mossadegh, in 1953. Go and read up on Operation Ajax. And, and you know, they, they quite literally, Kermit Roosevelt, who was running the operation, had a big suitcase full of money, used it to pay uh, everything from prisoners through to gang members and, and political um, revolutionaries in, in Iran uh to to create riots violent riots on the street which mm-hmm. the american media um then blamed on communists and said that they were in, in uh partnership with Mossadegh who was the um prime minister because he was trying to nationalize the oil interests and uh the british weren't happy about that because they wanted to keep all of the money from the oil that they were taking out of iran and give none of it back to iran or like i think they were they were giving him a couple of cents on the dollar right and he was trying to negotiate a better rate british told him to go fuck himself and then they engaged the cia which newly formed to um overthrow the the iranian government institute a puppet government under the uh, under the control of the the reza shah which was a violent and, and oppressive government that, that stayed in power for the next 25, 26 years until uh, the, the Islamic uh, revolution under the Ayatollah Khomeini overthrew the Shah's government, uh, American puppet government, as the Iranians saw it in 1979. Um, and, and America's been doing this all around the world, in, in uh, Cuba, Soviet Union, uh, every... every country that has a government that isn't uh favored by the united states uh they've they've tried to influence their media in a variety of ways to to create revolutions and to create regime change and uh raise unrest so um it's a tried and true tactic that's been done 
I'm sure, by uh, governments um, for a long time. Uh, it's just that the United States is now perhaps on the receiving end of it. Although, as I said earlier, they've been accusing the Russians of this in one way or another for 70 years. <laughs> um and I think America's got. I think this is this is a this is a distraction and a deflection. Yeah. America's political, the fundamental political divide in America has got nothing to do with the Russians. It's got to do with the elite, the one uh, percent, who are trying to extract as much wealth out of the American economy before shit goes pear shaped, um, either as a result of the uh, the uh, decline of the old angry white men mm-hmm. as a political demographic being replaced by black, Latino and young voters. Uh, my camera just turned off again. All right. Um, uh, 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 or, or because climate change is going to be they're all underwater, it's going to destroy the economy and whatever. Anyway, shit, look at the time. i got another call to be on in five minutes. Yep. That's the show, Ray. Um, all of the show notes, if you want to read the links, are up on the website, uh, which is thebullshitfilter.com. We'll be back next week with more news. Thanks, buddy. Okay. Ciao. Bye-bye.